0: Thank you for joining us today with Newly Awakened Ministries. I love y'all and take away. Right, thank you. Well, good morning, First Assembly. How are you? You guys are doing pretty well today? Well, we are, we are so honored to be here. You know, um, me, my wife, and we have an incredible uh, Newly Awakened team. Uh, you know, I just wanted to share briefly that in the year of 2020, we launched newly awakened ministries. The Lord it was placing on my heart since like 2016 uh, when I was finishing up a place called the Ramp School of Ministry. Now it's called the Ramp University. Um, The Lord was laying on my heart to like, hey, he was wanting to stir up a traveling ministry. I thought it was going to be itinerant, but the Lord, he knew what he was doing. It was going to be more of a team, more people coming together and pursuing God. And wherever we would go, we want to see people encounter the true and living God. And, you know, um, (laughs) like the beginning of our mission statement, and it is to awaken hearts to heaven's daily encounter. And that we really want to see people uh, we want to be the hands and feet of Jesus wherever we go. We want to see people get the real... We just want to be real. You know, we want to see Jesus, the real living Jesus, encounter every single person that we come in contact with. Every single person that needs healing, that needs freedom, that needs wholeness, or even just wants more. You know, we want to see a hunger in 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 the body of Christ, a hunger to pursue the more of God. And, you know... I'm just so thankful for all that God has done the last few years and what he's continuing to do. You know, we started out as a traveling ministry. We still are a traveling ministry. But since then, you know the Lord, you know how the Lord is. He, he, you take something, you steward it, and he just builds on top and he keeps building more and more. So on top of the traveling ministry, we also have, uh, we do things online. We, do, we give out messages about at least every month. We do live interviews, nights of worship, nights of prayer, and you guys can even find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, Spotify for anybody that listens. Any, basically, anywhere that you can find podcasts, we are there giving words uh, and encouragements. You get to hear insights of different ministry leaders that we interview, and I'm telling you, There's so much wisdom, so much uh, that you can glean from, that you can pull and receive from, from whoever is doing the interviews that we're doing with. Um, And, you know, I would like for my wife to now share what she wants to say real quick.
1: It's so crazy because um, I remember um, whenever we were at um, ministry school and uh, I was just in my secret place and the Lord showed me, he was like, oh, we're going to have a traveling ministry, and we're going to go out to different places, and people are going to get free and set free and encounter Jesus. Um, and that was before I, I knew Andrew. Um, so then when we when we got married, I would never forget. He was telling me that the Lord, um, during his time at ministry school, also told him that, but he said it was going to be called Newly Awakened Ministries. And I would never forget, we were actually... Um, I think we moved to Atlanta. We went to uh, out of obedience, and we were sitting in this Burger King, and we had we had these pillars, and it said Newly Awakened Ministries, and it was just from that day. From that day, we began to dream with God, what it would be like, what what was His dream, um, and so today we're launching this. 50 partners that would partner with us for $25 and um, because we know there's a mandate in this dream and and, let me just tell you like 100% everything is for Jesus our hearts all of our lives like even our team team if you can just wave all of our team like they're completely hungry for Jesus and uh, as we were praying and as people will partner today you can actually meet our partners development Leader, and that's Miss Shannon. She can she can lift her hands, and she's gonna be right over there. But I want to show you what we got for you guys, for the people that sign up to partners with us. And it was uh, with lots of uh, Andrew. He can get the credit that he said about this item, but I was the one who got it. So, just... <laughs> and it's actually this lantern and though and the re, and this is so crazy because um in our wedding we had lanterns but this is because we're going to contain the fire wherever we go and i we wanted we want you guys to pray and if you feel like to partner with us but this is what we're going to be doing for the rest of our life Who's going to be carrying the fire wherever we go
0: thank you Thank you. And if you guys choose, if you guys want to talk to even see what it's about, you can meet Shannon after service. She'll be out there in the foyer. You'll see a newly awakened banner on with with all of these items out there. But thank you guys so much. And now um, in just a moment, April, you know, we were talking about what we were supposed to minister on. You know, I have a word. April has a brief word she wants to share with you guys really quickly. Um, and then, you know, I would, I'm so glad. And it's just relating
1: to this fire here. Um, because um, I was, whenever Andrew asked me to just begin to pray about the Word that God wanted me to tell you guys, and it was actually a memory that I had. Um, Andrew, when we were in, in ministry school. He came up to me late at night, and we went to go walk, and he had a, a lamp, a lantern just like this, with a, with a real life candle. Well, anyways, we went to this walk, and while we were going to this walk, we heard rolls of thunder, and we knew it was about to rain. (laughs) And so, right when we were coming back, and he was taking me back home, just rain just began to, and we just were running with this lantern (laughs) with a real life. Candle in there. And I was like, Lord Jesus. Like, we're running, hair, hair hair's soaked, like everything. Um, we, he leads me back to my apartment, and I see that there's the candle and it's still lit. <laughs> and I believe that God wanted me to tell you guys that even when you go through the storms of life, to Come keep on. the flame even when it's hard, even when you have that turbulence, even when when you see, you feel the doubt, you're gonna keep the flame. And then for the other people that I remember about my mama, I'm so thankful for my Hispanic mama. I remember when i was young and i began to believe the lies that the enemy will tell me consistently that i didn't have a calling that i that it was i was not i was just small and i remember coming up to my mom and just crying like tears and tears and tears of sorrow and my mom just certainly looked me in the eyes and she said in spanish she said levanta she didn't come and comfort me she didn't come and and tell me oh I'm so sorry she told me get up rise up because you are a woman of God you are called to do great things and that's what I believe that God is telling you this morning it's time to rise up it's time to believe what God said about you it's time to stop it's time to stop believing the lies some of you it's time Share the gospel with people. Oops, sorry. It's time to share the gospel with people. It's time to be active in living in your faith.
0: wondering if it's too much to ask would you guys be able to come just a little bit closer in i feel like we have all like everyone everywhere do you think we could take like 30 seconds to just come up a little bit closer my vision's kind of getting a little bit now if you have to stay in the back for whatever reason i understand but i would love to see you guys almost face to face i like to see to look at you guys when that whenever whatever the lord's sharing thank you guys thank you thank you Yes, (laughs) Yes, Lloyd. <laughs> Love you. All right. All right, well, as you guys are doing that, I would just... Uh, me and my grandfather, my grandpa, you know, we were, we were talking last night. You know, sometimes we like to stay up and just talk about the things of God. And he was telling me about all these different miracles um, that, you know... <laughs> that he was, that the Lord would tell him, he was like, he would tell me like, the, you know, it's like the Lord would say, drop this right now and go over here. And sure enough, there would be like an emergency going on or going on doing there. And, uh, you know, we were staying up late, just just talking about God. And he asked me to share this testimony because I, I was sharing it with him. And he was like, please, just, can you share this with everyone? I, this might sound so simple. And, it, and it's a little different. But... I'm so sorry. Okay. One time, me and my friends, we were having a dinner party at one of their house. Well, for some reason, I had it in my mind that we were going to be at this apartment. And I was like, okay, like, you know, I was bringing some garlic bread. Someone else was bringing the spaghetti. Someone else was bringing the juice. You know, we were broke college kids, so we were just trying to <laughs> scrap what we could together. And, um, and so, you know, 3 $4 each person could go a long way. And um, what is it called? We, so we, I was driving over there. They're calling me that I was late. I'm like, well, I'm on my way. I was like, I, I, and I go to this apartment. And immediately when I get out, I hear this this woman start screaming. I'm like, "What?" And I go over there, and there her her baby, her toddler, had put her his head through the rails and got stuck. And it was like, and it was like so stiff. It was like it was like almost like squeezing. You can tell like he it was starting to cut off stuff. I don't know how he did it do you guys know about those wonders? You know how toddlers are. They'll start, But like his head got stuck between the rails and they were about to call the fire department to go to see what they can do to you know, cut it off. Well, I was like, hey guys, I was like, Lord, I kept seeing in my mind that he was wanting me just to pull it open and I, and I grabbed it and I was like, these things are, like, they're not going to move. But I was like, guys, I was like, I was like, hold on 30 seconds before you call them. I was like, let's just try this. On the count of three, we're, uh, I was like, we're going to open up. I was like, I want to pray. We're going to ask the Lord to open up. Well, we're like, okay, one, two, three. I lift up. You could see it like bend. And they pulled his head out. And then they went right back. We're like, oh my goodness. <laughs> I mean, it was the Lord. Because you, but for some reason, you know, I was, I was really confused. i like, I knew I had to be over at this apartment, even though we were not supposed to be at the apartment. And we go over there. And the, and the baby man, I believe, like, his life was probably saved that day because, you know, just the Lord wants to intervene. Um, you know, my grandpa, he wanted me to share that with you guys. Um, but, yeah, it was really cool. Later on, you know, the garlic bread was good, food was good. But the kid, he encountered the Lord, and the family encountered the Lord. And I was like, I was telling them, like, you know, there's no way I could do that. God is the one that opened it up. And so before we enter in, um, I would love to pray real quick. Father, we just thank you for this time. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, into this house, into our hearts and in our minds, oh God. Lord, just like the song was saying, we lift you high above every circumstance, God, above everything that could ever exist, God, we lift you high. God, we praise your name. God, we recognize that you are holy. God, that you are worthy, that you are different. God, we ask that you just come in this morning with a fresh outpouring of your spirit. God, I'm on every single person in here and every person watching, God. Lord, we ask for a fresh encounter, for a fresh touch of your fire. God, we thank you, Lord, that you're doing a new thing, a new thing this morning. God, that you're opening up doors that no man can open. God, you're closing doors that no man can shut. God, I thank you, God, that you are doing a new thing in this house. God, we ask for an awakening, an awakening in each person this morning. So we thank you, Father. We thank you, we thank you, God. Yeah, I'm gonna teeter this a little bit. There we go. All right. All right, guys, the message that the Lord has for you this morning is a message titled, God is calling you. Hmm. And I want to say, the Lord, he started off saying, God is calling you out of hiding and calling you into boldness. Because there have been those that have been walking in a lifestyle of fear, but God wants you to walk in his boldness and a lifestyle of his promise. And he was showing me like Gideon, He was hiding in fear when the Lord encountered him. You know, Gideon was sifting the wheat and the wine press so that the the enemy would not steal his food, the things that belonged to him. And when God called Gideon, the Lord called him a mighty warrior, a man that would walk with God and not walk in fear. Don't you love it how God, how he already... Puts an identity on us and in us. And then sometimes we like to shear away from it. Sometimes we like to back away from it. You know, cause God said, you are a mighty warrior. You're gonna walk with God and you will not walk in fear. But Gideon's first response was a fearful response. You remember what he said? <laughs> he said, how can that be? I am the least in my family and my family is the least in our tribe. And our tribe is the least of every other tribe. But God, he was not going to have that response. <laughs> you know, he affirmed Gideon that he made him with purpose and that he would lead Israel with a time of deliverance. And I want to tell you that some of, I think some of you in here might feel like you feel like the least of the least or the worst of the worst or the most unqualified to do what something you know that God's called you to do. But God (laughs) is declaring that if you are in Christ, that you are a child of the King, that you are an overcomer, that you are to walk with God, to walk in victory and not walk in fear and walk into His boldness. And with that, you know, sometimes we get this huge mandate from God. We get this, like, Overwhel- like, to us, it could feel like an overwhelming dream. And we're like, God, how in the world is it going to happen? Well, first of all, if he's called you, then he's anointed you to do it. And the Lord was showing me, like David, he, he was wanting me to say, God is, is acclimating you to your calling and to your promises. And he was telling me, like David, you know, the one that would be the second king of Israel, That God is going to take you through a process to equip you and give you the promise. You see, David was in the field with sheep. And then the prophet Samuel came and anointed him to be the next king of the nation. But I can tell you, David, as you guys, most of you know this. That David did not go from being anointed and in the field directly to the throne. God had to walk him through that process. But look, there's these simple steps that he's taking you on and the journey he's taking you on to get you to where he's called you. Because, whoo, man. You see, when David was in the field, when he was in the private place, when no one else was seeing him, he says he killed lions and he killed bears, right? And that gave him the courage to where he killed a giant in public. And then after that, and then, man, it's crazy. He didn't even just go after that giant. He went after the whole family. <laughs> like, he went after everyone. Like, like he was like, you were an enemy to this nation. You were an enemy to, to the Lord. you are gone. Thankfully, the, we're in the New Testament now. Um, and so, but, you know, David went from being a shepherd, knowing how to tend to a group to being a warrior, and then he later he married Saul's daughter, which made David a prince of Israel. Now he is part of the royal family, and now he gets to have the inside look on how to run and rule a kingdom. He was promised to become king, but he was still a shepherd. He had no idea what it would look like to become a king. And so he was a warrior, he knew what the the battlefield was going to look like now he's a prince also a warrior during this time but now he's knowing how he's getting an inside look on how to how to run a nation how to run a kingdom and then you know i want to just uh, point something out it's a little pet peeve of mine but when you hear people talk about david and king saul a lot of people just want to jump to the highlights just say oh saul was throwing spears at david and you know, he would go and hunt him down and make him go and hide in caves. But David, he had the patience to not retaliate. And it's like, well, there's a lot of reasons why he couldn't ret- He would not retaliate. First, he honored who he was, he honored his king, he honored the leader that God had placed in his life. Second, he was his father in law. Talk about some family drama. You know, it's. You know, if he responded in violence and killed Saul, well, he would have also killed his wife's father. And no one wins there, I'm telling you. And then, so David, he was anointed. Then after, you know, all of this has happened, while he is still being hunted, he gets appointed an anointed king over Judah. And, you know, he was was anointed in Hebron. And he was king over Judah for seven years before he took the throne of Israel. Hmm. And so do you see that there was this process where God, he had called him and he called him, appointed him and anointed him. But he had to wait like 15 years, roughly, before he can even walk in the calling that he did. Because why? The calling on his life was so great that God had to take him through a process. So whenever he got to his calling, he did not take it lightly. And I feel like some of you in here, you're like, God, you've promised me this for years. You've promised me something that I have not even seen a glimpse of. It's like, God, he is preparing you to walk into the promise. He really is. God, he is calling you. He is still showing you how to walk in the promise. And not only that, most of the time when God gives you a dream, when God gives you a promise, it's supposed to surpass your life, your lifetime. Because even in Hebrews, it was talking about how God told Abraham to go and he dropped everything and he left. And he was going and he went to a city and, you know, Abraham, he was very, he lived a very abundant life because God blessed him. But he would always search out for the city and search out for the promise because he said that he was searching for the city that was built by God and not by man. He was, he was searching for the place that was prepared by our heavenly Father. And he knows exactly where that is. And he knew that it was going to surpass his lifetime and go into the generations. Because God said, you are going to be a father of many nations. And that's exactly what God did through him. And so going back to David, you know, from that point... We can see David, he made many mistakes. But he was, he was known to be a man after God's own heart. And I can tell you that makes me feel better. Because you can read the story of David and know that he loved God. And God loved him because David's heart was to be in right standing with God. It really amazes me that we have a God that loves us past our mistakes. And is willing to restore us. And, you know, with all of that being said, God is on this journey of life with us. He created it. And he needs us. He just wants us to let him in and direct us, to guide us. And so, as we know, God, he is our help. You know, he is so magnificent. He is glorious. You know, even when we get in tough situations, Sometimes it's easy to see your problems be larger than the Lord. And the, sometimes we see it just to be larger than our life in general. But we know where to turn. Because even in difficult times when we don't know how we're going to make it, we know we can go to scripture. And Psalms 121 says, I will lift my eyes unto the mountains. From where shall my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, who made the heavens and the earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The Lord will not strike you by day, nor with the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from evil, and he will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your heart going in huh, from, go, from your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. The Lord is the one that protects you. He's the one that provides for you. Where are we supposed to say the Lord's, where our help comes from? He says, the Lord declares Himself, He says, I am your protector. He is our hope. And, you know, I, I kind of want to get a little nerdy here real quick. But, you know, sometimes we can get, we, can have, we have to recognize that God, he is so much bigger than what we are aware of. And he is doing more than what we are aware of. There's this, there's this one pastor, he's like, God is doing over 10,000 things for us each second, but we might be aware of three of them. <laughs> but, you know, I like, you know, science. I love history. Um, but you know, I was looking and I was doing some research on some discoveries they've made with black holes. And the largest black hole they have found in space in existence so far is called S50014 plus 81. Now this black hole is 4.E16 times larger than the size of the earth. Meaning that the black hole is four quadrillion and sixteen times larger than the Earth. If you put that number, is that is four, comma zero 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 comma zero 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 comma zero 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 comma zero one six larger times of the Earth. And S five zero zero one four plus eight one is a black hole that is the largest in current discovery, and it is forty billion times larger than our sun. Now you have to realize our sun is nearly one million times larger than the earth. And so if we have to say we have to think that the earth it's like let me see I have it down on my notes. It is two thousand twenty-four thousand eight hundred and sixty six I'm oh, sorry rough it's roughly twenty four thousand eight hundred and sixty miles in radius. And so the, we can kind of figure out how big the black hole is by estimation. So we take that, if we know it's we have to take it first, multiply it about a million times by our sun, <laughs> and then we have to multiply well we have to multiply that by forty billion <laughs> and get that. And so that number is 9 quadrillion, 944 trillion and 20 miles, roughly. In the radius, and if you put that in numbers, that is nine, comma, nine four four, comma, zero, 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 comma, zero, 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 comma, zero, 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 comma, miles. That is big. That is big, and it just blows my mind that there's something that is that big. I mean, it's freaky that there is something that big in the universe. But the thing is, that's only a fraction of what is in in existence. And God, he is so much bigger than that. And so sometimes when we have to, when we get overwhelmed by our situations, when we get overwhelmed by our problems, we have to remember God is so much bigger than our problems. And he is so much bigger than what life has to offer and any kind of hardships that is in life. Guys, we just have to become aware of who he is. And we have to realize that he has us. And so, I want to tell you that God, He has prepared a way for you where you're at and what you're having to deal with before you even started, before you even got to where you are. And you're wondering, how am I supposed to deal with this? How, God, give me the wisdom on how I'm supposed to just do what I'm supposed to do, what you've called me to do, what you have for me to steward. Because, you know, God, He has given us jobs, a spouse, children, whatever it is. You know, He has equipped you to prosper through him. And I'm not saying that lightly, because you have to remember back in Genesis, God created the garden for mankind to steward. You know, He, he created the garden for mankind to steward. But he created the garden before he put man in there, because he's wanting to show us that he makes a way, <laughs> that he prepares the way for us before we get there. Good. He is wanting to show that he prepares a way for you before you even step into what you're doing or the thing that you're gonna be doing next or what you're doing now. He's already gone ahead of you. He's prepared the way for you. So all he wants you to do is let him in and let him direct you because he's made it for you. Hmm. Hmm. You know, we just need to get in unity with God's spirit and ask him what the direction that he wants us to take. And we can feel in those situations that if we feel like we're overtaken, we have to remember that in our weakness, God's strength is being shown in our lives. You know, and by his power and his strengths, we will make it. And by only Jesus, we are overcomers because Jesus holds the victory. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> And you know, when we really get a grasp of who Jesus is, we can walk in his boldness. You know something I love to do in Scripture is I love to go book by book, and I love to find out, okay, who's Jesus here in this chapter? how where's Jesus in this chapter? where's Jesus in this chapter? And you know in the Old Testament, because all the Old Testament was a foreshadow of Christ, and it was preparing away from for when he got here. you know it was all of Scripture was telling and You know, it was testifying about Jesus. And then, when you go to the epistles, we don't really see the embodiment of Jesus walking and living and doing the miracles. You know, we have that in the Gospels and early part of Acts. But we we have his apostles that are describing to us who Jesus is. And sometimes we can overlook it whenever they are making these amazing points to the church Whenever they're making these amazing points to the church, they're slipping in this revelation of who Jesus is. And that is supposed to be the really the main focus, because they're like, this is the situation, here is your answer. And so for me, I love to go through the book of Hebrews, I went through the book of Hebrews, and what, I'm gonna, what I did is I summarized each chapter of where Jesus is identified. And so I'm going to start, and I call it my Hebrews breakdown, But I'm going to start in chapter 7 through 13. Man, I'm I'm just ready. Because this, like, this is what it's about. This is about knowing who Jesus is. Are you guys ready? All right. So starting in chapter 7, Jesus is our high priest from the tribe of Judah. Jesus is the high priest forever and he took from the order of Melchizedek. Jesus became the guarantee of a better covenant. Jesus remains forever. He who holds his priesthood permanently. Jesus eternally saves those who draw near to him and always lives to make intercession for them. Jesus, our high priest, is holy, innocent, undefiled, and separated from all evil and is exalted above the heavens. Jesus offered himself up for us once for all. Jesus is the perfect son. Chapter 8. Jesus is our high priest who sits at the right hand of the throne of majesty in the heavens. A minister of the sanctuary of the true tabernacle. Not the one that was made by man, but the one that was made by the Lord himself. Now Jesus has obtained a more excellent ministry and he is the mediator of a better covenant which contains better promises. Chapter 9 it says Jesus appeared as the high priest of uh, the good things to come. Jesus entered through the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not of this world, but uh, it's like but of the one in heaven and the one that he entered by the shedding of his own blood. And Jesus entered the holy place once for all obtaining eternal redemption. Jesus The blood of Jesus through his eternal spirit will cleanse your conscience from dead works. His blood is better than every every sacrifice and every blood sacrifice ever made. Hebrew 9 uh, verse 15 says, For this reason he is the mediator of a new covenant, so that since a death has been taken place for the redemption of transgressions that were committed under the first covenant, those who have been called may receive the promise of of eternal inheritance. Hebrews nine twenty four, for Christ did not enter a holy place with made of hands, a mere, but the, you know the one that was a mere copy of the true one, but into heaven itself now to appear in the presence of God for us. You know Jesus made the sacrifice, not like the priests of old, which were sacri- which were sacrifices of many times, but Jesus's blood is greater. And his sacrifice was greater. That when he did the sacrifice, it was once for all. Because he has the eternal, his spirit is eternal. And when he entered into the tabernacle in heaven, he went to the place of the Holy of Holies. And because his spirit is eternal, he proclaimed his blood Alleluia. on the mercy seat, eternally proclaiming mercy Alleluia. over us. He is eternally proclaiming mercy over over you all you have to do is receive it chapter 9 verse 28 so christ also having been offered once to bear the sins of many will appear a second time for salvation without reference to sin to those who eagerly await him chapter 10 is like verse 9 through 25 Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, hold on, you have to remember, he says, because of the blood of Jesus, now we can enter in the place of holy of holies. We can enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. Jesus made a way for us. And And by this new and living way which he inaugurated for all of us through the veil that is his flesh, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart with full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean from, from an evil conscience with our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, and not forsaking our own assembling together, as it is a habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more you see the day drawing near." He's saying, as the time is coming, get together. Encourage each other in the Lord. (laughs) Love one another. Do good to one another. In chapter eleven, it talks about how Jesus is our great judge. Can I water? It says Jesus is our great architect, always leading us and preparing a place for us. Jesus is the faithful one to fulfill His promises. Jesus offers greater treasures than ever can be found on earth. Chapter twelve. We're going to go through chapter twelve, verse two through three, fixing our eyes on Jesus author and perfector of faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross despising the shame and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God for consider him who he who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and lose heart He's saying that Jesus came and he took the beating, he took the bruises, he took the cross for you. Why? So that you would not have to lose heart, so that you would not grow weary. Why? Because he is giving you his strength, he's showing you how to be strong. And we know that Jesus, he disciplines those who he loves. He says that he shares with us his holiness. Chapter twelve, verses ten through eleven. It says, "For they dis for they disciplined us for a short time. Sorry, dis yeah, disciplined, disciplined. Thank you. For they disciplined us for a short time, as seemed to be best for them. But he who disciplines, but he disciplines us for our good, so that we may share his holiness." And all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet, those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the fruit of peace and of righteousness in their life. You see, sometimes we're like, God, why do I have to go through this? Why do I have to go through this hardship? Why am I having to go through the trial? Because he's doing something in you. He is giving you his peace. He's working in you to give you joy and to give you love. <laughs> to make you selfless. You know, Jesus, he is the mediator of the new covenant, covenant, and it is sprink and it's his sprinkled blood that speaks better than the blood of Abel. Jesus, he is the one that that brings us, warns us from heaven. The one with his words shakes the earth and shake heavens. Jesus is our consuming fire. Chapter 13, it it says, Jesus is our helper and that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. That Jesus is our great shepherd that raised from the dead and that leads us into the eternal covenant. That Jesus equips you to do every good thing to his will. Yeah, so that is the summary, I believe, to chapters Hebrews chapter seven through thirteen, where it identifies Jesus. Now, when with humanity, man, there's so much stuff that Jesus did. But you know, with humanity brought death in this world in the beginning, as we can see in the garden. But you know, Jesus took our sin on the cross and became sin. And when Jesus was laid in the tomb, that his tomb was in the midst of a garden and he rose up. So you had to see the beauty and almost that poetic structure that Jesus is doing through redemption. That is mankind, we brought sin and death into our being and into this world by inside a garden. But when Jesus raised back to life, he was also in a garden. So he was showing that he broke the curse of sin, and that he gives to any, he gives life to anyone who believes in him. And so, there's a story. The next part of the of the message is that Jesus tore the veil. Now I'm wanting to this is kind of, this is a story that leads into the scriptures. But for me, I'm right now, I am a driving instructor. And a few weeks ago, while I was giving a lesson, one of my students was telling me that, you know, she, she just opened up, was telling me that she's been studying, you know, New Age, and she's been really in the belief of different astrology. Um, you know, in the astrology side of New Age, the alignment of the stars, that this God is a star, that this person's blessing you on this, that if these things come in alignment, and like all this junk, okay? And then, but, you know, but she asked me, you know, she's like, well, what do you believe? And I was telling her, well, I believe in Jesus. I believe what he did for me. And she was like, wow. She was like, this morning, she was on her app, her New Age app. And she was like, someone was talking about Yahweh and of Jesus. And she really didn't know much about him. She's like, can you tell me about him? I was like, oh, yeah. So... So, you know, throughout the lesson, we were I was teaching her how to drive. you know, making sure she was turning the proper way, making sure that we were doing the correct blind checks and all that stuff. But in the middle of it, when we were done and she was going over those skills, I was telling her about Jesus. And I was telling her from the beginning, from the fall of man to the redemption of Jesus, to what he did on the cross for us. And, you know, she really didn't get it, but I was telling her, I was telling her how the veil how when Jesus died, he tore the veil of his flesh. I was like, and his spirit was released. I was like, and his spirit, you know, tore the veil that was in the temple. And, you know, and his now made available to us because why? Jesus was bringing reconciliation between us and God. God was restoring and renewing us. And she's like, well, she's like, well, I heard you talk about the veil. She was like, I've heard, he was telling me that she, She was hearing from on her app that there was so much spiritual activity taking place because they were saying that the veil between earth and heaven is thin. She was like, what do you think about the veil being thin? I was like, the veil is not thin, but the veil, it is torn. Jesus came and he tore the veil between heaven and earth for us so he could bring the availability of his salvation for us so that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And when I, when I told her, I was like, the veil is not thin, but the veil is torn. She was like, whoa, I see it. She was like, I see it. She was like, I never could see this before, but I can see it. The spirit of revelation of who, what Jesus did happened in that moment. Even though I told her, it still didn't go through her mind. But when but there was a moment where the spirit of revelation came and Jesus encountered her in that moment. Amen. Now, I love to go through the scripture as well of the veil being torn. And so Matthew 27, verses 50 through 53, it says, And Jesus cried again, cried again with a loud voice yielding up his spirit and behold the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom and the earth shook and the rocks were split the tombs were opened and many bodies of the saints who had fallen and died were raised back to life coming out from the tomb after his resurrection and they entered in the holy city where they appeared to many and then also in Hebrews ten, verse 19, nineteen through twenty-two, we just went over it. It says, "Therefore, brethren, since we have a confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. And since he, since we have a great high priest, you know, over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart, with full assurance of faith." having our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience with our bodies that have been washed with pure water. You see, the veil was the barrier, was a barrier. It was the boundary that God put up himself from holy and defiled, from pure and sinful. And when Jesus lifted up his spirit and the veil in the temple was torn, Jesus tore down every barrier that was between us and God. Jesus made his salvation to you available and he offers himself to you not only in death, but with resurrection power. Now, I also want to go over the veil of Christ's flesh. That his flesh was the embodiment of God dwelling among us. That his flesh was a vessel of the spirit of God. And when Jesus gave himself freely to us, so that he could be the perfect sacrifice. (laughs) You know, he wanted to wash away every sin as the Lamb of God. You know, someone once asked a theologian named A.W. Tozer, he says, why didn't God come down to the earth? And he replied, he did, and we nailed him to a cross. You know, the veil of Christ's flesh was torn when we pierced his skin with the whips. As humanity, when we Nailed his hands and his feet to the cross. When we pressed the crown of thorns on his head, and because of our sin, you know, we've as humanity we stuck the spear at his side. Jesus came as God in flesh. And the best our sin could offer a holy God was death. But thankfully, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil to defeat the oppression of sin and to break every curse of the fallen nature. You know, when we pierce the side of Jesus, most theologians believe that that was the symbol of the entwinement between us and God. That when we took our tool of death, we went inside the body of Jesus, touching his heart. And you know and when we when we pulled it out out from the side came blood and water. Symbolically speaking that the water was cleansing us of our sins and it was also joined with flowing of the blood showing that there was a new covenant with the body of Christ. It was a perfect moment of forgiveness. When he was saying, "Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing." You know he, He came for us. The cross, it was for us. It was because when we, they were like, you know, how it talks about we are the vine. He is the vine, we are the branches. And he talks about how we are engrafted in. There is this moment where where the soldier, when he pierced the side, symbolically speaking as humanity, it was us and our sin touching him, piercing him. You know, they believe that it was the covenant. God was forgiving us and restoring us and he was making us one in him. And it's a lot like It's a lot like um, in the Old Testament, even with Moses, whenever they were in the wilderness and they were dying of dehydration, God told, God told Moses to go and to strike the rock and he struck the rock and water came out. Second time, you know, they're dying of dehydration. God said, speak to the rock. You know, it's, I, think it's, I think it was great because God was telling Moses to speak. And as you can tell, because there was power with the, what the Word was wanting to do through Moses. Because all that, the power that was going around was grumbling and complaining through the words and disobedience of the children of Israel. So when Moses, he was supposed to speak. But he just remembered, he, he didn't have enough faith to do it. So he struck the rock and water came out. Water still came out. God moved on his behalf through his disobedience. But because of his disobedience, he said, you will no longer enter into the promised land. So we have to see the working, the work of Jesus that throughout scripture, you know, we can see Jesus as the rock. And throughout scripture, most of the time we can see the Holy Spirit represented as water. So when Jesus was on the cross and he says, unto you I release my spirit, it is finished. And it says that his spirit was lifted up. You could, only, you could see that, the, that there was water now coming from the rock. So, you know, prophetically, like symbolically speaking. The water was now being released from the rock, and with his words, he was redeeming the disobedience of Moses and the children of Israel. And, now, and he was now leading us into a place of promise that Moses could not lead us into. He was leading us into a perfect place of peace and of promise. And so, you know, when we thought we were destroying the body of Christ... Jesus was actually taking it all on to destroy the power of sin and death. When it was set up, it was a setup for Jesus to, to display his upper hand of authority. When we placed the crown of thorns on his head in mockery of his kingship, he was taking on the curse of sin. Because remember, the curse was the thorns and the thistles in the land. And he was defeating sin on the cross. As humanity, When we put Jesus on the cross, we thought we were ending our relationship with God. But in reality, he, He was just increasing the invitation for us to get closer. And, man, I can tell you that God, He's wanting to do a new thing in here. And I feel like that He's wanting to call some to repentance. He's wanting to call some for the forgiveness of sins. But I also feel that he's wanting to fill some of you up with the same resurrection life and the same resurrection power that he he gave, that he had, because why? He's sharing it with us. Thank you
1: for listening to this week's Fuel the Flame from Newly Awakened Ministries. You can follow Newly Awakened Ministries on Facebook and Instagram. You can also connect with us through newlyawakenedministries.com.